Well, grace, mercy, and peace to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Three in One who shows us there's nothing to fear. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, today is the feast of the beheading of John the Baptist. It's a day that we set aside along with the Roman Catholic Church in commemoration of one of the Church's most revered saints. And in remembrance of possibly one of the Bible's most terrific stories. It's a story you're probably at least somewhat familiar with, but it's one the church feels is important to come back to again and again, and so today we do just that. And the story goes like this. Herod's throwing a birthday party, and he's invited all of his nobles and his military guys, and basically the big shots, you know, everyone who's anyone in Galilee. And for the night's entertainment, there's an exotic dancer fun until you realize that it's actually Herod's stepdaughter, which is a little creepy, but well, he seems to enjoy it, so he promises to give her something, anything she wants. It's like a tip, I suppose. Well, she doesn't know what to ask for, so she goes to her mother to ask advice. Herodias, Herod's wife, who, by the way, has a huge grudge against John the Baptist. And she knows exactly what to ask for. And so she sends the girl back in, who runs up to Herod and relays her mother's request. Give me the head of John the Baptist. Oh, and while you're at it, put it on a platter. And with staggering efficiency, Herod gives the order, and John is immediately beheaded in prison. His head is then delivered to the party, to the girl, who then gives it to her mother. The end. This is what we remember today. A gruesome story with really a less than happy ending. But it's interesting that when we arrive in our gospel lesson from Mark chapter 6, the story is over. This whole thing is in the past. John is already dead. In real time, his body is in the tomb somewhere. He's nothing more than a memory. But he's a memory that appears to have come back to life. We're looking at this from Herod's perspective. And from where Herod is sitting, there is a lot of talk. There are a lot of rumors flying around about this man, Jesus. This guy who seems to have suddenly come out of nowhere and begun to do these extraordinary things. Some say he's Elijah. Right? The promised, for, uh, for the front runner to the promised Messiah, God's chosen one. Others say, no, 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 he's a prophet like Amos or Habakkuk, like one of the prophets of old. But it's this third rumor that catches Herod's attention. It's the rumor that John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And you can imagine Herod sort of pacing his throne room, turning this over in his mind. Uh, Could this be John? Is it possible that he's back? Is, Is he back for me? Is it for revenge? Well, by verse 16, he's made up his mind. John, whom I beheaded, he says, he has been raised. Can you hear the fear in his voice? Herod's afraid. He's terrified. Why? Well, by John's own admission, 
by Herod's own admission, excuse me, John was a holy and righteous man. He didn't always understand him, but he had great respect for what he had to say. And John had been speaking out against Herod and things he was doing, but Herod had extinguished that voice. He'd stomped it out for good. Or so we thought. Because now the voice is back. And it's back now with more authority than ever before. Casting out demons, healing the sick, preaching repentance and forgiveness. It can't be coincidence, he shouts to himself. It just can't. The voice is back. And just like that, the sins of Herod's past come rushing back to haunt him. John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. I lived in a dorm my first two years here at Florida State. I was over back in Cawthon my freshman year and just across the street here in Reagan's uh, the year after that. But dorm living got pretty old, so I decided to go out and get an apartment. And I, I wound up with this duplex kind of thing. It was cramped and a little pricey, but honestly, it rocked. I had no roommates. I had my own bathroom. I didn't have to worry about people stealing my food. Compared to dorm living, it was practically paradise. And so one day, my family decides to come up and visit, and not wanting my mom to flip out because the place is a disaster, I do what any good son would do and decide to clean the place and sweep the floors, vacuum, make sure the garbage isn't overflowing in the corner. You know, I like to think I was tidier than your average guy on his own, but let's be serious. I was a guy living on my own. I don't think so. So they get there, and I think I've done a pretty good job. You know, I think the place looks presentable, and you know, I give them the grand tour. And well, my sister Katie decides to check out the fridge, and so she goes, and I hear her open the door, and the next sound I hear is laughter. She's just cracking up over there, and so I kind of look over and try and see what's so funny, and I realize. But the one thing I forgot to do is stock the fridge. And in fact, the only thing I have in there is a half-empty bottle of ketchup and an open, week-and-a-half-old can of peas. <laughs> now, you know, when you're on your own and your parents are coming to see you, the last thing you want them to see is an open, week-and-a-half-old can of peas. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, and the rest of you, well, you will. <laughs> you know, something like that you'd never quite live down. It's still a story that gets told at my house when we're all together. Um, and it's also a good example of how some things from our past, things we're not proud of, that we don't want people to see, sometimes they just don't die. Which brings me to my question for you today, which is, which is what's haunting you? What sins from your past keep coming back from the grave? Maybe it's something you're ashamed of, something you don't want anyone else to see or to know. It could be a temptation or an addiction, something you're stuck on that you can't quite get out of, a secret you've never shared. Whatever it is, it's something that just won't die. You've tried. You've tried to forget about it, to get it behind you, but you can't. You can't because deep down, you're afraid. You're afraid of being judged by others, of what people would think if they only knew. 
know, you know how ruthless and unforgiving and judgmental people can be. What would the person sitting next to you say? Your friends, your family. But maybe it's something deeper. You feel like you've done something so unforgivable that not even Christ himself will pardon you. And you come to church and you hear stories in the Bible, like this one about John, and you, you know, who despite being more holy and righteous than perhaps you could ever hope to be, winds up dead in his early 30s, executed by a tyrant for his faith. And you wonder if that's what happens to God's faithful servants. What hope is there for me? Pastor Jay and I decided to shuffle the readings around a bit for this morning. It's not exactly what everyone else is doing, but this epistle lesson that we have from Hebrews 13 actually works really well here. In verse 6, the author of Hebrews encourages us to confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's a good point, I think. If I called you up here this morning and asked you to come and spill all your deepest, darkest secrets, just lay it all out on the table, and you did, what do you think would happen? What do you think we would all do? Maybe get up and walk out, reel back in disgust? You know, I'm not really sure. But chances are, and I've been finding this to be true lately, is that, well, chances are people are struggling with the same things you are. Chances are that people here are having the same fears and same insecurities as you. Whether they admit it or not is one thing, but, well, this is a community defined in part by grace, isn't it? And that means fear has no place here. But let's get back to the Herod thing. Because you and I both know that Jesus is not the resurrected John. John did not get up and walk out of his own tomb. John didn't. But Jesus did. Jesus did. And that means you really have nothing to be afraid of. He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You are not left to deal with this on your own. You have a helper, a Savior who has taken your sins to the grave. His grave, actually. And left them there for good. There is no sin his blood does not cover. There is no standard of excellence that he demands you meet. He says, come as you are. His love and his forgiveness are perfect. And whole and complete and 100% free. This is what we remember today. We remember that this is no place to be afraid. That we have a Savior we can trust, who has set us free from our guilt, from our shame, and even our past. We remember that we are surrounded by people in this community who are dealing with the same issues we are, and that we are meant to lift each other up. We remember that there are people on this campus, in this city, who live in fear every day, who desperately need to hear God's word, and to experience the love of Christ. We remember that we have been called to be fearless 
you must be fearless. Because John, the disciples, Christians for hundreds of years, they've all had their turn. And now it's yours. Let your fears drive you to Christ. Love as you have been loved. Remember the faithful who have gone before you. Be forgiven. Be free. And go be fearless. In his name. Amen.